You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. From the local lanes to the PBA Tour, bowling fans, welcome to the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Presented by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Associates. Now, here's your host, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome in to the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show presented to you by the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association here on The Fan. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, along with Dwight Albrecht and Phil Brylow. Everybody in the studio for the very first time this season. It takes to week three, week one. Phil was in Reno for the World Series of Bowling. Week two, Dwight uh, said he had some procedure done. I don't know what it was. Uh, and now week three, he's back, and uh, Phil is here, and uh, it feels good to be all back together again. Dwight, how are you feeling? One big family. Good morning, Sparky. Phil. Good morning. Good morning. How, are you, how are you doing, Dwight? How are you feeling? I'm in that healing process. I had surgery, and we're healing. A little sore, a little tender, but we're doing well. So you're hanging in there? I'm, I'm doing good. I see the doctor for a follow-up next Thursday. And hopefully we can get some normalcy back in my life here. You got somebody plowing your driveway out later? Yes, my poor wife, Betty. <laughs> unfortunately, I feel horrible, but I'm on a weight restriction, so I can't lift anything over 10 pounds, unfortunately. So I feel horrible that she has to do it. And then, of course, the snowblower blows up on her yesterday. So now we're going to have to try to fix it and find out what's going on with it. Yep, that'll happen. That will happen at this time it's of year. It's an old blower. Yeah. How long have you had it? A while. Oh, God. Eight, nine years, yep. at least. That will happen, man. It is frigid cold outside, and it's going to get even colder. By tomorrow morning, I want to say windshields are going to be minus 25 in Milwaukee. And we live here, why? Minus 25. We had a caller the other day uh, called in from Austin, Texas. Said, man, you know, it's cold down here. So, yeah. Yeah, high up. 70. Uh, it's 45. <laughs> 45? 45 we'd below? Be, we'd be golfing in 45. 45? <laughs> you were in shorts to the studio. If exactly. it was 45 here, coldest in the winter, there'd be no snow bunnies. Nobody would be living in Florida or Arizona. People would just stay here. If it's as cold as it got was 45, nobody would leave. Yeah. But either way. All right, let's talk about the PBA World Championships uh, last week uh, coming up. Uh, in the second segment of the show, we will talk with the PBA Commissioner, Tom Clark. He's out in uh, Syracuse, so we'll check in with him. Uh, and then in the third segment of the show, we will check in with uh, the winner of the PBA World Championships, uh, EJ Tackett. Had a chance to talk with him 
uh, earlier this week, Phil Bravo and myself. So stay tuned for that. And then, of course, we'll preview the next TV show coming up in the last segment. So that's how it's going to work. Okay, let's first start off with uh, your thoughts, uh, uh, Dwight, I guess, on lane conditions uh, and how they appear to you for uh, the TV show. Fair. Um, I thought they did a great job. I thought it was a great show. Um, multiple angles to get to the pocket. Um, it was a very, very good show. It shows the versatility of the pros. Um, How did it seem to you, Phil, when you were out there? That was a, that was a tough pair all week long. The TV pair, 25 right. and 6. Tough pair all week long. So you knew uh, scoring pace is somebody who's popping a 250-260 game, even with practice and everything else before and on the pair. Uh, they were throwing it well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 20, 25, the left lane played tighter down lane uh, than 26 did, and that's something that the pros always hate seeing. They'd rather have it a little tighter in the front because then obviously you still get the chance for the ball to slow down and get in a roll properly before it gets in the pocket. Uh, with it playing tighter down lane, you saw when the guys had issues most of the time it was with 25. Right. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is it's uh, Simonson versus Smallwood. Uh, in the opening match of the stepladder format, uh, Tackett uh, had the one seed uh, and was sitting there at the end of the TV show waiting for whoever made it through. So Simonson and Smallwood. Uh, there are a couple of things that, that stood out to me right away. First of all, Simonson struggled on that left lane yep. uh, from the get-go uh, during that match, and you saw him uh, talking with his ball rep or whatever about moving up on the lanes mm-hmm. um, and explaining to his ball rep what it was. And it was funny to me, if you go back and watch the TV um, broadcast of that, everything Simonson said, his ball rep would then repeat to him and shake his head. I was just dying. I was like, either it's very loud and you don't hear him, or you have nothing and you're just going with whatever he wants to do. (laughs) Exactly. It was one or the other. Either he didn't hear what he was saying because it was loud there in the commercial break and he couldn't hear him. Or he just didn't have anything but wanted to say something. So he just kept saying, it was literally everything Simon had said, the ball rep repeated back to him and shook his head like it was his idea. It was funny to me. I laughed. But Simonson's the one that's got to execute it. So you're oh, sure. on the same wavelength. It's just Simonson, you could just tell. And he, he made a Facebook post after it was done as well that, you know, a bad ball choice with yeah. a couple of bad shots and you have no chance on TV. You don't have the time yeah. to, to make it up. And they did. he didn't move up until after the TV break. So he mm-hmm. waited, what, yeah. four or five frames before yeah. he decided to move up after that TV break. And had a great quote, obviously, 15 minutes of practice for nothing. Right. Well, that's what it is, though. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't know. And if – but see, this is – this is something else that I'll bring that up. That one game goes by so fast, Barky. But see, I mean, you could say – if you're listening to the, the, the show right now, you go, yeah, but Phil Brilo from Extra Frame just said that those two lanes were a pain in the butt right. all week. So why wouldn't he know that it was going to be a pain in the butt when he got on those lanes after he practiced on different lanes? And but maybe my, he did. Yeah, but wait a second. But the counter is, sure, but during the week, those lanes aren't under lights. And that changes it too, Phil, sure. right? The way those lights were in Reno, I don't know how much it would have changed. Really? I mean, they were pretty high up. You could see the stanchions that they were on, and they were a good 40 feet above the lane, 35, 40 feet above the lane. So it's not like 12, 14 feet in a normal bowling center. So you don't think it was affecting lane conditions? I so? don't think the lights affected the lane conditions at all. I think it was just more – I mean, Simonson was using a pretty aggressive piece of equipment there, and especially, you know, you've got four, four of the guys out there with you ripping that pattern apart for 15 minutes, and all of a sudden – the part of the pattern that's going to change the most to start with is going to be that transition part of the lane for the last 
five, six, seven feet of the pattern, all of a sudden his ball starts rolling up earlier. He tries to trick it a little bit, tries to get the go down lane farther, and because that lane's playing tighter, it goes even farther, and then he two pins, mm-hmm. you know, and then but, you get then you get lost and frustrated with yourself. But how gutsy of a move is it though? You got that whole title on the line. And he makes a ball change in the oh, first one in the tenth. It's all or nothing. He knew it was all or nothing. Gutsy. Roll, roll the dice. Gutsy. He he had no chance yeah. if he didn't make the ball change. I was yeah, thinking more along the, the lines of, of what were you? Well, you're right. Yeah. To, you're right about that as mm-hmm. far as doing it at that and, point. Right. Yes, because you don't see that happen. Not all in the tenth frame. Yeah. But what what were you or your ball rep waiting for exactly? Yeah, and then he pures it to leave the stone ten. Yeah, and, I mean, well, he got it. robbed. I mean, that yeah. was a great ball. He mm-hmm. absolutely got robbed. That, there's no question he got robbed on that, on that. But my first thought was, after I saw him throw the ball, I'm going, what were y'all waiting for? I mean, mm-hmm. if you were if you were going to be willing to make the change in the 10th, you had to have been thinking about this, oh, I don't know, the 7th maybe, 8th? Mm-hmm. At some point, this had to come into your head. I mean, if you move up, whatever frame that was, the 5th, right? So you move up on the approach. You know, you give it a couple, and it's not working. Do you then go, well, I'm screwed the rest of the game? Or do you then go, well, I better go get another ball? I don't know. I just thought, to me at least, the ball rep is there, and I'm I'm being critical, That's I guess. Yeah. But but for me, it's well, A, I mean, Simonson, yes, he's experienced, he's bowled thousands mm-hmm. of games, whatever else, right? But if you take the age into it, if you take the TV experience into it and everything else, your ball rep is supposed to be the experienced guy, especially for this isn't Pete Weber. So you you have to have that experienced guy over there to be like, dude, maybe we should make that ball switch. You moving up ain't working. Let's try something else. Even the experienced guys that show were over every commercial break talking to their rep. It was just amazing how much each one of them was going over to that that coach's corner and talking to them. So they really rely on those guys heavily. Something else I found intriguing, Phil Brello. Simonson uh, would have won player of the year had he won this. Now, he ends up losing 204 to 193. Mm Mm-hmm. But they brought up on TV something that I guess I wasn't paying attention to and I did not know. And I went, really? And that is the major that Simonson won, he was sitting at the top and had to win one match. Mm -hmm. Every other TV appearance of singles that he's been in, he's been eliminated in the first match. Every other one. He has not yet made any type of semi-type of run Mm -hmm. on a TV show where he's Won a match, got to the second match, and tried to make his way up the stepladder. That is going to be interesting to see when he does that. Because that's a whole different level. I mean, now the lane is breaking down as you're going match to match, TV lights and everything else. So that's going to be another experience, I think, for Simonson once he gets to that point. Because he got eliminated, obviously, again in the first match. But aren't they also good, Phil, at, at when the lanes transition? that he, I mean, he's already knowledge and educated how to do it anyways, even though it might be on TV? Yeah, I th- I think it's just the, they go the lights and everything, the, the pressure, the lights and everything else. It's just a matter of getting yourself a little more used to the circumstances. Having that major title under his belt, I think it's helped him. But he's been in a couple of extra frame events as well, where we don't have the bright lights and everything. Uh, but it still counts for a PBA title, and he's 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 thrown a couple of really good games on extra frame. One of them, he just got beat. He got flat out beat by a two eighty. Nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. So, and another one, he bowled really well. If he would have got another break, it went his way. I think it's just a matter of. It's just like everything else, you know, the records kind of even out a little bit the more games you get in. Mm-hmm. And I think Agreed. Simonson's the kind of guy where he gets a few more games. I'm not being critical device. of him losing in the first round. Yeah. My point just is is that's going to be another experience for him yeah. when he gets on and makes that run where he wins one or two oh. games 
And it's just everything that goes along with it. The stress of being on TV. Now, all of a sudden, you're in your third match, let's say, and you're, you come from match one. The lanes are continuing to break down. You're facing different guys. And I'm not taking anything away from extra frame. But at least in my opinion, it has to be a different feel for a bowler when you're on ESPN yeah, and you know it's yeah. live on it's TV or you're being taped. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's just different. And again, nothing away from extra frame. They, You guys do great work over there. But, but I'm just saying from a bowler psyche perspective. But isn't EJ in that same situation? I mean, didn't obviously he win most of his matches from just top seed? And, and didn't he not make you know a run through? I don't know the show. he... Has won a match or two on TV in a show. That I don't know. They didn't mention that. Like I said, I didn't know about Simonson until they brought it up on TV. And I quickly put it down in my notes on my phone that, hey, I want to talk about this on the Castellan Spare Time Bowling Show. So I found that was uh, very interesting. All right. So uh, match number two, Smallwood and Jason Belmonte. Mm -hmm. First of all, Belmonte needs a different haircut. I don't like that haircut. (laughs) Can we move on from the haircut? I don't like that. I don't know what he's trying to do with the haircut. Like it just like it's all like kind of flopped over and has like gel or stuff in it. Uh, yeah, I don't. What is that? Did he have that all during the World <laughs> Series of Bowling? Yeah. That flop. You said that and for that... a while now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I like Belmo. You guys all know I like Belmo, but I that I would not approve of that if I was you know with him. No, that that's not going to work. You have to do something else. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Smallwood and, and Belmonte uh, get after it, and right away Belmonte uh, and Smallwood both had opens there in the second frame. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Yeah, I mean, as, at least starting off, you thought it was going to be a pretty close match. Uh, Randy Peterson goes and puts his foot in his mouth. That Smallwood needs to make a ball change. Smallwood stays with the same ball yep. and then runs like the next six or seven. And I, I loved about the fourth frame, Smallwood comes off the approach. I thought it was a little game and ship. I love it that they're mic'd, and you hear him go, uh-oh, it's a Belmont. He's walking off the approach. Oh, my God. That's priceless. Like, okay, I found it again. You're in trouble. Yep. Uh-oh. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you know, Smallwood... Uh, was that with was with part of that that Brunswick family, you know, with Rash and all those guys mm-hmm. when Belmonte and yep. Rash were going at it. So you would, and I don't know what Smallwood's opinion of Belmonte is, but if he was with Rash and that Brunswick crew, I would imagine it's probably not the greatest in the whole wide world. So I'm sure he enjoyed it. And you know what the other reason was that he enjoyed it? Did you catch this little nugget on the air? He's never beaten Belmo on oh, TV. That's right. that's right. Never at mm-hmm. any point. Oh, that's so tough. now, <laughs> further, uh, hold on a second. So first of all, okay, Simonson has never made the run through the tournament. Right. All right, All or one a match or two. Yeah. Uh, so Smallwood knocks him off. I'm sure Simonson may or may not have been thinking about that. Probably not because he's young. So now you go to the second match. I guarantee you, Tom Smallwood knew he had never beat Belmont on TV. Oh sure. I guarantee Smallwood's sure been around that's forever. In the back of his mind. Right. Sure. You're thinking about mm-hmm. that. I never beat this dude on TV. This is my day. I'm getting him today. Mm-hmm. You know, just like today, Packer Bears, right? right. Soldier Field, right? Packers. Guarantee you want Rodgers out of that game as soon as oh, possible. Sure. I agree. Get up early and often and get him out. Yep. They've got three active quarterbacks because yep. they cut Carl Bradford yesterday, yep. so they're going to activate Callahan. Yeah, so that's good. The Bears, what the heck are they playing for? Nothing. Nothing. Spoiler, I guess. Yeah. Right? So odds are the energy level and everything else is going sure. to be the favor of the Packers because yep. they, they have a reason in this game. To me, that match there, mm-hmm. when I heard that, I said, oh, this isn't good for Belmonte because you know Smallwood. And then he makes that comment that you referenced. Mm-hmm. Well, Belmonte is in a lot of trouble. But <laughs> Belmonte hung with them. I mean, even with, what did he throw? He threw five in a row. Smallwood did. Mm-hmm. Um, Belmonte was still hanging tough. Uh, and then Belmonte throws a horrible ball in the ninth, and that yeah. was it, Phil. Well, the funniest part was he was walking it out like he thought he threw it better, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he realized after you I, know the self-analyzation once it was yeah. done and when he was talking to Kimberly after the right. match was, 
Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't throw it that good. Yeah, I knew right away. He fell out of the shot. I knew right away he was in trouble as soon as I saw him not post the finish. Um, and those guys have very little room to miss. If you watch their ball paths, that ball's going over the same path, and that's what's nice about the colored oil. Mm-hmm. You can see it, and you could just tell that he was hoping to get away with the shot, but he knew he wasn't going to. So the other thing we haven't really talked about yet because it's only week three and there's been no reason to is Belmonte's off year, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Making he, shows but he, not winning. He really has not been the Belmo uh, that we've not known the in the past. Not the dominance for us like the past, no. no. He, mm-hmm. he has fallen back. Um, and coming up at 9.35 or so, depending on how long we talk to Tom Clark in the next segment, you're going to want to hear EJ Tackett because EJ Tackett threw a stat out there about the last however many tournaments uh, and the age bracket that's been winning all of these tournaments, mm-hmm. it'll blow your mind. It will blow you. I, I didn't realize it had been that long of a streak, but now you're talking about Belmonte not being there, Rash not being there, Weber not being there. I mean, you're talking about, and Rash isn't Rash isn't an old guy, but I mean, you're talking about the older crew now, all of a sudden with these young guys coming, starting to fade in the back. And I'm not saying Belmonte is done. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, I didn't think Belmonte was just set for an offseason anytime soon, and that's what's happened. What do you say, Phil? I mean, is it just TV bad luck, or what is it? He just he gets a shot here or there that just seems to take him out of a, a block. We were in Lubbock uh, for the extra frame event down there, and Belmo bowled it, which was rare for Belmo to be in the country for an extra frame event. And he had a bad game. He shoots 140. And he, gets, he, he was in contention. Throws mm-hmm. 140. Done. Gone. See ya. Yep. He, he, he's getting that this year where he didn't have that in the past. No. He really didn't. I mean, he had a good run in Detroit. He had a great run to get out of the World Series show, but that's the only animal pattern that he didn't make any of the animal pattern shows. And that's crazy to Belmo. me because he could have killed I mean, on the animal averaged, pattern shows because of that eliminator you yeah, said they brought back this yeah, year. He averaged 250 the last block in the World Championship mm-hmm. pattern in match right. play to get himself mm-hmm. on the show. 250. Yeah. yeah. With a three. Tackett averaged. Yeah. Tagging average, what, 232 over 62 games? That's a lot oh, of bowling. Patterns, yeah. You're, you're, Phil, of you're out there every week. My only thought process here is, is aren't the young guys like a Francois Wavab, um, EJ Tackett, I mean, in that grouping, are they just getting that experience now, but just at such an early age that, like uh, Randy Peterson said about Tom Smallwood, Tom Smallwood has no fear. I just see these guys have no fear at such a young age. Yeah, they – They've grown up with the equipment. They know what works for them. They can make the adjustments. They've bowled all kinds of events since they were 13, 14, 15, 16. And uh, Anthony and Simonson, know, same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they know what they need Even to do. Even at such an early age, they're such veterans already in their minds. Yeah, and there's a lot of these kids out there, too, that you know they're not, they lean on the ball reps. They're not dependent on the ball reps like we see with some people. These kids are smart enough. They make their own decisions out there and – you know, if they have a doubt on something, they ask the question, they get the mm-hmm. answer, and then they implement it. They're not sitting there. They don't overanalyze a lot of stuff. Like right. You see the second and third doubts you get as some of these guys get older, like, oh, I did this, and should I do this? And no, They no. just grab the ball and go out there and do for, it. For me with Belmo, Belmo a couple of years ago was such a dominant force. Every time he got on TV, he got a ball reaction that none of the other guys could. Right. You just don't see that anymore. No. I, I, think, I think part of that is the lean conditioning as well. I think that Brunswick Defy Oil now, where it doesn't break down the fronts as much, mm-hmm. there's no need for the guys to get so far left so quickly like they used to, which was Belmo's advantage. Well, that's good for the rest of the field. I mean, yeah, you it evens see, it out. I mean, yeah. you saw Belmo last year at the Tournament of Champions in practice, and he's 
standing on the outside of the left lane, and he's lofting it right. 30 feet over the left gutter, and it's coming and screaming back and carrying the pocket. Yep. He doesn't that, – that that shot's not necessity much anymore. We saw it at the U.S. Open during the double burn on the qualifying rounds and that type of thing, but – all right, so yeah. 224, 185, Smallwood uh, takes out Jason Belmonte. Uh, and again, change the haircut, please. Uh, okay, uh, moving on, the BBA World <laughs> Championship uh, semifinals here. There's Dom Barrett uh, hanging out. I was good to see Dom Barrett on TV again. I, yes. I, I'm a big Love Dom Barrett fan. I'm just a big Dom Barrett fan. He's a real nice dude yep. um, on top of it. And it seems like he so talented. He gets along with a bunch of guys uh, on tour as well, which is which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so going into this match, I got to be honest with you, I didn't think Barrett had a chance because I just felt like Smallwood was rolling going into this thing. And I was right because he hit the first eight. Mm-hmm. The first eight. Yeah. Had a crossover in there, though. And I right. think he, I, if I heard it real close, he said something about a Walter William, Way, Ray Williams trip or something like that. I'm, I'm in a no spoiler zone, so I can't mention anything about why that's why the why that count was made. But you'll find out as the World Series goes on. Okay, gotcha. so that that's a great shot there. But I mean, that's that's eight in a row uh, for Smallwood to start that thing off. Uh, and again, Barrett didn't bowl bad. He great. He didn't have an open. He shot two thirty five and yep. lost. Yep. Two sixty six to two thirty five. Yep. I mean, some days you just look at it and go. Eh, it's not my day. The one thing that I, nothing I can do. One thing I love about Barrett is the lack of time he takes on the approach. Yeah, he kind of sets his feet and then almost like he's getting the ball going so quick uh, in his approach that he just doesn't take a lot of time up there, and that might clear your mind a little easier. Like he's thinking about it while he's going to the foul line instead of standing there, you know, having every shot go through his mind. I love that fact that he doesn't doesn't take a lot of time on the approach that he just sets and goes yeah if you don't know what you're doing before you step up there the eight seconds while you're on the approach isn't going to change anything that seems to be his attitude with it and and, and dom can do the subtle adjustments on roll during that, the swing that time. yeah he mm-hmm. does it he does it so well i think he's yes. i think he's very i think he's the most underrated guy on tour to oh, be able to go to a phenomenal game a c yes. game or d game if he has to yep. and, and that's what really got him through that point in the world championship was getting through all the patterns and you know, just being able to change the role to match up to the patterns a little bit more. And, and like Sparky said, it's just you got the wrong guy at the wrong time. 239 mm-hmm. wins yeah. pretty much every, every other match on the step ladder. Yeah, no question. Uh, it wouldn't have won the championship match, though. Uh, EJ Tackett takes out Tom Smallwood. Uh, and again, I mean, Smallwood wasn't bowling all that bad until that open, and what was it, the seventh frame. Um, and then that pretty much sealed his fate. EJ, the pitch out, the first frame. Like you Oops. hear the collective ESPN world just hold their breath and go, "Uh oh, here we go again." <laughs> that's what I said. He did. I said, "Uh oh," and I'm going, "Wow, that's just nerves." It's first shot. He'll be okay. Uh, and then he came back and he was all right. But that you don't want him collapsing on TV regularly. That is not good. You don't want that at all. You need him to win on TV because he's one of your quote young guns mm-hmm. that you are looking at to carry the sport for the next twenty. Years. I wasn't worried. I I just knew it was a pitch right. Yeah. Well you mm-hmm. look at you look at what he did in Detroit on the fall swing, you know, wins win, yes. wins a title and then he wins a king of the swing on top yeah. of it too. And he really had to come through and be clutch on those uh respective matches. I think the more he gets on TV, the more comfortable he gets on TV and watch out for EJ. Well it's interesting because again Tackett had that open in the sixth. Um then mm-hmm. Smallwood throws his open in the seventh mm-hmm. And then comes Tackett comes back and rolls him out. Mm-hmm. And really, it was done. Once he threw yeah. that double, it was over. Because I think put pressure back on Smallwood. He opened again in the yeah, ninth, by that time and then the it match, was over. Yeah, by that time of the match, even Smallwood was starting to question, I think, his ball reaction yep. and continuing to talk to the 
uh, ball rep to Gardner. Yeah. Correct about and, it. And that was the one thing. I mean, Tom stayed out everybody's way all day. He played his own line. He played outside of everybody else's area and break, break point. So that worked well for him. But when they finally got enough oil depletion, where it started to go away, you know, you got one of two choices: you get another ball where you can stay in that zone. Or you're gonna have to make that huge jump left. Right. We're talking, you know, probably twenty and yep. twenty and fifteen with the feet and target respectively. And yeah, that's a tough thing to do at that point in time. All right, uh, two forty six to one eighty. Uh, EJ Tackender, world champion. We'll talk to him coming up in the third segment. In the next segment, we will talk with the commissioner of the PBA, Tom Clark, here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Welcome back. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Can't find Tom Clark. So uh, maybe another week we'll try for Tom Clark. I don't know. I'm thinking the next time he's going to be in studio. I, I think that's going to be the solution to this. Yes. <laughs> You're going to come and salute. Because, it, I mean, you have a bad cell phone or something. I don't know what's going on. He's a commissioner of the PBA. Right, we'll see. I'm sure he's busy. He's a busy man. He's a commissioner. I'm sure he's working on big deals. Maybe he's trying to get Ronda Rousey to come on tour for the PBA. <laughs> Really get that PBA women's tour going off to a, a good start. Hey, uh, so I want to <laughs> get your thoughts uh, on this um, motive. Uh, Tackett gets that win for motive. Mm-hmm. How are, back to back years, right? How are ball sales right now for motive? Because you know th- they've had some young guns here in the last couple of years doing some stuff. They're number one, um, and the reason why is they have right now, my opinion, the best cover stock out there uh, for longevity a ball reaction. Uh, they're making great equipment. Their balls react great. Uh, they have a huge line of equipment in terms of the balls doing different things. Um, they got great customer support. Uh, the two brothers up in Muskegon are two of the nicest guys I've been in it 33 years that I've ever met with. They're doing everything right. Uh, but the biggest one is obviously it's the, still the chief complaint when someone comes into the shop is I dropped two and a half fills on a ball and I lost its hook in 40 games. And they just give you that about a 100, 150 game look before they start to lose their performance sure. a little bit. And that's just value for the money. So, Alon, you're right. They have a, they go after the young guns on, on the tour. Smart, smart marketing. Well, you get them cheaper, too. I mean, they don't cost you that much. You you get these young guys they when they're coming up. Right. If they win, then you really benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to cost you more to get a rash or Belmonte under contract, I would imagine, than it would some kid that's never been on TV before. Mm-hmm. Now, again, eventually, does EJ Tackett price himself out of motive and end up having to go somewhere else? Yep. Don't mm-hmm. know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But that's really going to be the deciding factor mm-hmm. here. How long can they keep these young guns under contract by paying them what they have to pay them? Mm-hmm. But, and that staff seems to be growing more and more. The guys want to go to them. Um, so positives moves all the way around, and that's why they're number one. What, what's it feel like for motive out on, out on tour, Phil? You see a few more guys wearing the logos. You see a few more guys throwing the balls. But there's been a lot of not big names, but there were a lot of smaller names. I noticed that had uh, made changes during the World Series. Uh, Patrick Gerard from Canada used to throw motive. Now he's back with Storm and Roto Grip. Uh, so some of the guys are still changing around. There's a lot of guys that are still free agents. Guys like Mike Hogan and Mike Devaney and older guys. Yeah, some of the older guys and some of the younger kids that haven't really, you know, made a name yet. We're doing the free agent game as well. So uh, there's, you know, I don't think you're going to see too many names. You know, bowling really doesn't have a silly season like NASCAR does, but I still think by February, March, you might see another 
you know, big name or two that made the change. I mean, the two last year were Tom Doherty and Don Barrett going over to EBI. Right, right. I was just going to ask, Phil, so, did you see the show where Tom went off on Storm during the Falls Classic? He's, that's that's Tom's personality. It was. Yeah. It, it wasn't. Well, Sparky and I were talking about. We just think that 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 ball rivalry thing is really good for bowling. What do you feel about that? I think Tom just. I think Doherty just took it more as a personal affront. It's here. You know, you had the you had the chance to keep me. You didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm better than apparently you thought I was. And uh, here, chip on your shoulder it, thing. Proving it right now. But that's yeah, Doherty though. This was Doherty yeah. when he got snubbed in league play the first year. They did league play. Same thing. And they did the draft, and he didn't get, didn't get drafted. Then yep. he goes on animal pattern wins. I think. And brings up to me while I'm doing the interview with him in Vegas, yeah, well, maybe next year somebody will draft me. Yep. I mean, he was hot. Mm-hmm. Went out of his way to bring it up. Now, look, I have no issues with that whatsoever. you got to use whatever you got to use to motivate yourself to get you to do what you do best, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, oh, man, still never forgot, forgave the coach that cut him, right, early on in his career. That Hall of Fame speech that he gave back in the day, he went after everybody that doubted him at some point or said something. Didn't forget any of it. Yeah. So if if that's what motivates you and gets you going and gets that chip on your shoulder, then use it. And, and if Storm Disendority got him to go, fine. Yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, anybody can throw any ball out there and they're going to get find a way to score with it. I don't care if you threw a Brunswick ball in Belmo's hands. I don't care if you threw an EBA ball in Sean Rash's hands. They're going to find a way to score with it. They're going to make the adjustments to their drillings and everything else, and they're going to find a way to score. We talked about Belmonte uh, being off. What about Rash this year? Well, Sean had a great fall swing, mm-hmm. and he even admitted at the end of the world, he made the world championship top 24, and he was 24th. And okay. he just threw it. Back. He had to make the shots he needed to make. And he's he's gone through some – he had a tendon injury he's been dealing with most of the year, and he made adjustments to pitches and the mm-hmm. span and that type of thing. and. Uh, he put on a great event in Aurora for Extra Frame, uh, one of the last Extra Frame events of the year that Simonelli won, and that was a brutal event as well because that was three different patterns over a weekend. Hmm. And it was uh, it was a great event. Bowlers gave a lot of good feedback on it. I know he's ready to host again next year. So Sean's, you know, not 100% attentive to his bowling, but whenever he's out there, he's, you know, he's always trying to improve. He's, he's always practicing. If he's not out there trying to get more sponsors for his next tournament, he's out there practicing and trying to get better and, I just wonder. It's going to be interesting to see what these guys do in Japan in a couple of weeks. I'm going to say something crazy here. I wonder if we've seen our last Rash Belmonte TV battle. But I was sitting here thinking about it, and I thought about it all week. Phil's out there all the time, and I'm not. But I don't know. Phil, my question for you would have been a question for Tom would have been who's the next two or three guys that are the future of the PBA? Oh, there's a bunch of them. Oh, God. There's a bunch of them. I, I, I I got EJ and I got Francois Wabat. Frankie Frankie Lavoie has got a good start to uh, to a good career. He's working on getting some refinements of parts of his game. You can tell. Uh, there's still some patterns that Frankie's not really comfortable with, but he had a, he had a phenomenal. It's another one of those guys that he got hot in in the fall swing and he stayed hot for through the U.S. Open and and he had a decent showing at the World Championships. You know, made the top twenty four there. You know, it's just these guys know that. It can take one or two bad days, and all of a sudden the self-doubt sets in and you're working on something. All of a sudden you might set yourself back two or three months. The thing mm-hmm. about it, I mean, you've got Simonson, yep. Svensson, yep. Tackett. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Marshall yeah. Kent. Marshall got to throw yeah. him in there. Kent's got to be in there, yeah. I mean, Frankie Lavoie, Graham Fa. I mean, Fa's mm-hmm. the Players' Championship winner from last – you know, the mm-hmm. Barbershop Players' Championship winner from this yep. past season. 
Uh, you've got guys. I mean, uh, Chris Prather is an up and comer who went to Wichita State, right. and he's one where he's always finding his way into contention nowadays. It seems like he's not making TV shows, but he finished second at but, that Sean Rash event in Aurora. But the question still is, who's the face? I mean, like Pete Weber, you know, was the face. Oh, Pete's still a face. Jeez, still uh, is. Let me let me tell you a story. We were doing extra frame for the world championship, and I have Marshall Holman doing play by doing color with me while I'm doing play by play. How we cool had, was that? And we had extra frame two running, which was just a camera, your scoreboards, watch them bowl. No commentary or anything. As soon as we mentioned on extra frame that XF2 had Pete Weber bowling so-and-so on there, half the field left. <laughs> half the viewers left. They didn't care if Marshall and I were on there doing play-by-play and color and all of Marshall's. Still inside such a huge Why draw. Why see Pete bowl? And he is <laughs> the draw. I away mean, they went. He is. He mm-hmm. is that guy. I, I talked about this last week. You weren't here. I took last week I was promoting we were gonna have Pete Weber on, on the show that Phil had an interview with him. And our producer, uh, Matt Barlow for the, the Bucks post game show that night, I'm like, Barlow, you know who Pete Weber is. He's looking at me, no. I'm like, come on, dude. He's like, I I don't know. In bowler, I guess. I said, dude, sunglasses, yo, the DX crotch chop thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's like, Yeah, I know who that guy is now. Now I know who you're talking about. Okay. Now if I would have said, you know, Sean Rash or uh, Stuart Williams or whoever, no clue. And I couldn't even begin to try and tell him who these guys are because he wouldn't recognize anything. There is nothing else. So I don't know if you'll see a personality like Weber again, but what I do think is going to happen, and we'll see if I'm right or wrong, I think you're going to have 20 years of about the five, same five to eight guys battling on TV and rivalries are going to be built like they're way worth yes, Holman and Roth and all those guys. I just think the future is very bright for the PBA right now. Me too. And, and hopefully you get a dynamic personality to break through at some point and uh, be that black hat, that bad guy that everybody likes exactly to root against. It. That's what you need. Because right now you got a bunch of good kids. At least that's what it appears. Coming up next, one of those good kids. I'm a big fan of his, EJ Tackett. He won the world championships, and uh, Phil and I had a chance to talk to him earlier this week. Hear from him straight ahead. Back on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fancy Sparky Pfeiffer, along with Phil Brylow, Dwight Alberta, hanging out now with the guy joining us, the champ from last week's TV show, the world champion. He is EJ Tackett. EJ, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thank you. How you doing? Uh, doing really good, man. I got to say, the last couple of years, I've been on the show agonizing every time you get on TV and, and it didn't it didn't go your way. I was just like, man, how is this possible? How can it continue to happen? Uh, and you got rolling this summer uh, with a chance to win player of the year, still have that chance, uh, and you figured out how to close it out in a major uh, last week and talk about that experience. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was absolutely great uh, just to be able to uh, perform on uh, on a on a stage like that um, it was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, Smallwood getting to the title match there was it was really fun for me because uh, you know Smallwood's one one of my good buddies. So be able to bowl him for the title and 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 to perform and bowl a game bowl a game like that was just uh, it was fantastic. You know and. Earlier in the week, as you got through the animal patterns, EJ, it was it was tough for you. I mean, you get to three rounds of eight, you lose three to one to Walter Ray and the Shark, you lose three to one to Tommy Jones and the Scorpion, you lose three to one to Mitch Beasley and the Chameleon. I mean, that was a rough Thursday, and then three days later, here you are bowling like one game for the title. What'd you do to kind of forget about what happened with those with 
those three defeats on Thursday and get yourself refocused for that one game match? Well, uh, luckily for me, you know, we had we had two days off, uh, so I was able to you know physically rest from from all the bowling that I had done, and uh, mentally just you know kind of hang out, and, um, relax, and and just focus on on the task at hand and not worry about you know what what I didn't do um, as far as those three rounds of eight. So yeah, um, I mean, you know, I- it, was just, it was just yeah. I had a front row seat for those, and you just, it seemed like every opportunity you had to get ahead in a match or close somebody out in a game, something would happen. And it just didn't, didn't close, you didn't close the door. I mean, what, did just something you approached differently on Sunday to make sure it, when you had that opportunity to close the door on Smallwood, you did it? Um, I, you know, I approach every, every game the same way. Um, you know, on, on Thursday and all those matches, I, I threw some good shots when I needed it. I didn't strike, and I threw some bad shots when I needed it. So, um, you know, it went both ways that day. Um, but, you know, you just got to go in with the mentality that, you know, if the, if the time arises that you need a shot to win, um, that, that you can do it. You can't, you can't think about what you didn't do. Um, you have to feed on what you, what you did do and, and try to ex- execute the best that you can. And that's what I did. Starting with EJ Tackett here on the Castellane Spare Time Bowling Show on The Fan. Uh, he is a world champion, getting his first major last weekend uh, in Reno on ESPN. Let's talk about the match uh, itself just a little bit. That first ball you threw there in the first frame when rolling out there uh, to the right, did you just not let it go right? Was it nerves? What was it? Um, well, to be perfectly honest, um, the approaches were a little bit slick. And that first shot, I was, you know, we had practiced on it, but I was, I was pretty leery of it because um, my feet are pretty fast and they were so slick that I, I thought I, I might fall or something sure. or, you know, my feet give out from under me. So I was a little leery of it that first shot. Um, and after, you know, I got through that first shot, I was okay. But, um, you know, there was that. And, you know, the, the first shot in a match is always the hardest, I think. So, you know, you got a little bit of nerves trying to settle into the match. And with the that especially that that right lane approach was was very slick. So I think it was a combination of everything. Um, but I was but I was able to you know leave a makeable spare and make it, and then uh, move on and make some good shots after that. You did make good shots after that. Then you leave that split in the sixth uh, and and come back and throw a double with uh, Smallwood then having to come up uh, to follow that there. Uh, and he comes high there in the ninth for a seven count. Uh, and then you throw a couple more strikes after that uh, to close it out. I mean, that's a nice rebound coming off of that split because it kind of allowed Smallwood to think the opportunity might be there for him to kind of get back into that match at the end. Yeah, um, I, I four pinned on that right lane in the fifth frame. In the fifth frame, and my ball, my ball just overhooked a little bit. And I think going to that left lane, which was tighter, I think I just missed it at the bottom a little bit and ended up two tenning. And once I, you know, I saw that I was I was able to adjust for both lanes, um, and I was able to, you know, throw good shots and get some strikes after that. So, yeah, you mentioned the adjustments. I mean, if people were watching extra frame from the beginning of the tournament and they saw you on Cheetah, and they, we were talking about you on Cheetah, four of your first twelve shots on Cheetah were in the gutter. And you came yeah, back and I, you, you did a great job. You know what kind of adjustments did you make? Because that's not the start to the World Series of Bowling you definitely wanted there. And you came back and got yourself a buy into the round of eight uh, for the cheetah pattern. 
Yeah, um, that was all. That was all Brett Spangler on that one. Uh, I had tried, I think, three or four different balls the first two games, and game three, I, I went to Brett and you know asked him, I'm like, man, I'm completely lost. And he told me to grab the uh, that new Jackal Ghost and just move a move a couple boards left with my feet and just get inside of what everybody else was doing and just and just hook the lane a little bit more and. I, I bowled 280 over for the next six six games, and without without him telling me to do that, I, that's something I, I never would have done because I'd thrown that that ball in the practice session um, the, the day prior, and it it didn't strike at all in the practice session because well, I wasn't even gonna think about throwing it, and, and Brett suggested it, and I thought I might as well try it because I was already bowling 180s, 190s anyway, so what could it hurt? Yeah, I mean that was a heck of a t- turnaround to get to get that going for Cheetah, and then you and BJ Moore, Mitch Beasley, only three players to make all four animal patterns. That's a heck of a World Series, and now with the titles you had at the Fall Classic, now Player of the Year. You, what, what do you think the odds are with the player vote for you? Um, you know, I, I had a lot of a lot of people come to me uh, with with you know positive thinking for me uh, to win Player of the Year, but. Um, you know, it, it's all going to come down to, to what they actually vote. Um, Jesper had a really good year as well. Uh, three titles with a major. That's just nothing to shake a stick at. So, um, you know, it, it's all going to come down to what, what the peers think. Um, and, and we'll see how the voting goes. And uh, hopefully hopefully, I come out with, with the uh, Player of the Year award. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Talking with EJ Tackett, went his first major of his career last weekend on ESPN. Uh, here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show on the fan. What's the one biggest thing I guess you could point to that you've done to kind of help yourself and propel yourself from your rookie year to now where you very well could be player of the year? Um, you know, it, there's been a, a huge learning curve for me. You know, when I came on tour, I had some success early. I made a couple of shows, but um, just learning the transition of the lanes and and what balls work, what balls don't, what layouts work, you know, what works best for me. Um, you know, just a lot of stuff like that has helped me be uh, more consistent, you know, across the board from pattern to pattern and uh, center to center, tournament to tournament, uh, what have you. But um, as far as TV shows go, um, last year when I bowled the World Championships, uh, even though I bowled really bad, I, I found – I found something on that show when I when I switched balls in the middle of the game. Um, I, I found out something about myself, how my body reacts while I'm on TV, um, which I, I tend to hit the ball a little bit harder when I'm when I'm on TV just because the adrenaline is going and stuff like that. So I tend to use bowling balls that are a little bit cleaner because me hitting it harder makes it read earlier. So the the, the bigger bowling balls that I was using tended to hook early and not hook down lane. And that's why I seem to come light in the pocket a, a lot of times on TV, uh, I think was because of that. So I, I learned quite a bit on that show. And um, this year I was able to, I felt like I proved it to myself that, that I could bowl on TV. Uh, I made that show at the TSC. I bowled a really good game against Doherty. Um, he just beat me, you know, and, and, that, and that happened. Uh, I went to Detroit. You know, bowled great there on TV. Only lost at one match to West. Uh, still bowled a good game, and um, so I just took all that that positivity from what I'd done this year on shows, 
and just applied it to uh, the World Championship. EJ, when you talk about your celebrity right now as a PBA bowler, uh, have you noticed it change over the last, I don't know, two, three years as far as you being spotted by people on the street or otherwise? Um, it, it happens a little bit. Um, it doesn't happen uh, quite that often. Um, I've noticed the last probably year it's, it's happened more um, just because I've made more shows. And, you know, three of them were major shows, so... Uh, a lot of a lot more people watch those than than the other ones. So um, it, it's happened a little bit more, but it, it's not uh, anything like uh, like a golfer or a basketball player or something like that. You know, that where they can't go anywhere. You know, I can I can go places and and not get recognized, but um, but it, it does happen uh, more often now than it used to. I was thinking about this watching that that show when you won your major, and I was thinking. You know, I'm an EJ Tackett fan, because that's what I am. I'm a fan on the radio, and I worry about everybody. Everybody else can worry about trying to be a journalist, but I'm a fan. So I, I root for different guys, and you're one of my guys that I root for. I had a chance to meet you when you were here in Milwaukee a couple summers ago. Um, I'm just I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is just bad luck. I mean, he's got bad luck. Bad luck in the fact that you come rolling in at a young age, and you're not rolling in like Tiger Woods into golf where it's down. Uh, the talent level is down. The oldies are out on their way out. There really isn't any young studs there that Tiger have to deal with really at that point. Phil is older than him, Mickelson. Uh, and it worked out to Tiger's adventure the first few years until the field caught up to him. Um, and then he got hurt and so forth. You come to get to roll in here, and there's just young stud bowlers all around you, man. I mean, Svensson, Simonson, they're everywhere. I mean, that's just horrible timing on your part, EJ. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that, but I, I think it's made me. I think it's made me a better bowler. No because, question. Yep. You know, the, these guys are so good, and you know, you can't you can't mess around. So, um, you know, the the youth movement on on our tour right now is is very strong. Um, I don't know if you noticed the the clips that they put up, but the including myself, the last six major winners have been under the age of twenty five. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. Um, if that doesn't prove that the the youth movement is here and very strong, then then I don't know what does. And that should also build rivalries over the course of time as you guys continue to see each other uh, in TV finals and TV appearances. And that's I mean that's something really. And I don't. I mean, I'm Tom Clark. I'm sure won't like me saying this, but I mean it's something that the PBA hasn't had in quite a while. I mean, Belmonte and Rash, sure you had that rivalry. Uh, and, and those guys that have been here in the last few years, but you haven't had a long sustained rivalries. Uh, amongst bowlers, I think, for quite a while, maybe dating back to the 70s or early 80s. And this is setting up here for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to really have a bunch of different rivalries with a bunch of you, of you young guns providing you guys all all stay with it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, about 10 or 15 of us that are in that, you know, 25, 26 and under range that, you know, have all made shows now. We've all won. Um, there's three or four or five of us that have majors already. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's shaping up to be um, a lot of fun, I believe, because I, I know we're all going to see each other a lot on TV shows and bowling for titles against each other. So it's, uh, you're exactly right. It's shaping up to be a um, very, very interesting um, time period with, uh, with the guys that are around my age. It's awesome. It's a, it's a great time for the PBA, and it's going to be getting even better as we go forward. EJ, thanks so much for coming on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the future, and uh, good luck on your player of the year. i got to think you win it, but we'll see.
All right. Thank you very much. There he is, EJ Tackett on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com. They're ready when you are. Uh, Coming up next, we'll preview... uh, uh, the next show coming up, and we'll also talk about what EJ Tackett just had to say. Also, don't forget, coming up at 10 o'clock, Fantasy Football Weekly, presented to you by Dave and Busters with Tim Allen and Rami Makloff. Uh, and then at noon, it's Hot Stove Weekly with Tim Allen doing some Brewers baseball talk. Uh, Darnell Coles, the Brewers hitting coach, coming up today, as well as Seth Everett. That's coming up at noon today on Hot Stove Weekly. Uh, thanks to EJ Taggett once again for uh, joining us on the show this week. Coming up uh, today, the Cheetah Championship on ESPN. Uh, right away at noon again, you can watch that Packer Bears game. Just DVR it. Uh, that's what I do. I DVR it and watch it later in the week or watch it when I get home that night. Uh, Anthony Simonson is your headliner for the show uh, today. Mike Wolf is on the show, making his first television uh, tour television appearance in four seasons. Darren Tang, a 23-year-old out of San Francisco, he is on as well. And DJ Moore the third. A great win just because it's Anthony Simonson. He's a stud. He's 19, uh, and he's already won. How many has he won so far? He won one major already with the 2016 USBC Masters. And the Masters. Rob Holman doubles. And the Rob Holman doubles. Yep. Coming up next, Fantasy Football Weekly with the cookie maker, Robbie Makloff. <laughs> up next. <laughs>